We're going to go to Genesis chapter 45. Genesis chapter 45, beginning at verse 26. And this is the story of Joseph, who was sold to be a slave. And Jacob found out that his son, who he thought was dead, was actually alive. And just three verses spoke to me as I read it this week. Genesis 45, 26. <clears throat> it says, Joseph, so Joseph sent his brothers off. Now in verse 26, it says this. Joseph is still alive, they told him. And he is governor of all the land of Egypt. Jacob was stunned at the news. He couldn't believe it. But when they repeated to Jacob everything about Joseph, notice that the Bible says, they said when they repeated to Jacob everything Joseph had told them, and when he saw the wagons Joseph had sent to carry them, their father's spirit revived. Let me say that one more time. Their father's spirit revived. Their father's spirit revived. Then Jacob exclaimed, it must be true. My son Joseph is alive. I must go and see him before I die. And his spirit was revived. I want to preach on this title this morning. Lord, revive my spirit. Lord, revive my spirit. And I pray that's our prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Father, I yield myself to you now to be used to preach this word. Let this word not be in vain, but use it to pierce our hearts, transform our lives. And we thank you for the word that we love so much in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. You guys can have a seat. Come on. Lord, revive my spirit. I read that this week. And I got excited because I never noticed it in this story. Let me give you a, a little background of what's happening in this story for those who don't know the story of, of Joseph. But Joseph had a father named Jacob. Now the word Jacob, the name Jacob means liar and deceiver. And the reason that his name was Jacob is because Jacob was just that. He was a liar and a deceiver, always manipulating his way to get what he wanted. Now, Jacob was a twin to a brother named Esau who was older. And as he was the older brother, he was the rightful heir to his father's inheritance. So in other words, it meant that Jacob was not going to get a single penny. He wasn't going to get a single property. He wasn't going to get anything from his father because his older brother Esau was the heir. But to make a long story short, Jacob lied and manipulated him his way into stealing his brother's inheritance. He stole 
his own twin brother's inheritance. Because I always say with twins, and I know there's always an evil one and a good one. And if you're wondering, Esau was the older one with the beard. You see? The good twin. The evil twin, he's back there somewhere. But see, the evil twin, Jacob, lied and deceived into getting his brother's birthright. But see, after many years, Jacob would repent of this. He would have a change of heart to the point that he would go to his brother Esau, they would meet, and he would beg for forgiveness. But ironically, God would tell Jacob that through you, I'm going to make you a great nation. See, God originally told his father, his grandfather Abram and his father Isaac that through them there would become a great nation. So God told Jacob, I'm going to fulfill that promise I made to your grandfather. I'm going to fulfill that even through you, that through you, Jacob, and your descendants, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make you blessed. I'm going to do the impossible. And for anyone here, just a little side note, if you think that you're marked because of your past, you don't know Jesus. You don't know God. God says, no matter what you've done in your past, I can still restore you and bless you and use you. Can we just give God praise for that? So God tells Jacob, God tells Jacob, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Jacob believed this. Jacob was overwhelmed with joy over this. And the Bible says that God told him this through a dream. So Jacob had this amazing dream where God told him, I'm going to bless you and make you great. And Jacob would have 12 sons. And the youngest of the 12 was Joseph. Now, many people are confused into thinking why this would happen, but Jacob loved, loved Joseph. Joseph was his favorite son of all the twelve. He was so favored by his father that his father would actually get him a coat of many colors, a garment, and gave it to his own son, Joseph, and Joseph wore this coat everywhere he went, rubbing it in his own brother's faces. How many of you know if you have siblings, you don't do that? So Joseph began to just rub it in their face. He knew he was the favorite. He wore that coat everywhere. And as a result, his own brothers hated him. His own brothers despised him. And the brothers one day made a plan and said, you know what? I'm tired of Joseph being the favorite. I'm tired of dad always favoring him. And you're probably wondering, Pastor, why would Jacob even favor Joseph? Why would he do such a thing? Here's why. Number one, Joseph was from his wife, Rachel, who he really loved. Who he would work 14 years to have. He loved Rachel and Joseph was from Rachel, so he loved Joseph. But another reason is because Joseph was the youngest and it meant he would have no heir, no inheritance. So Jacob, he could relate to that. Jacob knew what it was like to be the underdog, to be the brother that would get nothing. So maybe it, Joseph was a reminder of himself when he was younger and he had sympathy for him. He felt sorry for him. But for every reason it is, Jacob favored Joseph. And his brothers came up with this idea. Let's kill him. Let's murder him. Let's get rid of him. 
And all of the brothers were like, yeah, let's do it. Let's just kill him. When Joseph comes, let's just grab him and murder him. And we're, we're just going to destroy Joseph and forget about this so that God, through, so Jacob would love us again. So we can get our father's love. But here's the ironic thing, church. Can I preach for a second? Of all the 11 brothers that were plotting this, it was one brother named Judah who would step in and say, no, let's spare him and let's get an animal and sacrifice him and get his blood and put it on this coat that his father gave Joseph. And we're just going to tell the father, we're going to just tell dad that a wild animal killed him, but we're going to know that Joseph is still alive so that we don't live with guilt. And isn't it interesting, church, of all the brothers that would step in to save Joseph's life, it would be Judah. And out of the tribe of Judah would come Jesus Christ, who would step in in our place and save our lives. Amen? And notice the plan. We're going to shed an innocent animal and get the blood and cover him and cover it so that Joseph will live. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. Jesus Christ stepped in on our behalf. An innocent sacrifice was made. And by his blood, we have been saved. What a story. They went on with this plan. They went and told his father, Jacob, Dad, Dad, we're so sorry. What happened? We, we, we don't know out of nowhere. This wild beast came and, and Joseph is dead. And his father said, this can't be true. Joseph cannot be dead. He's my favorite. I love Joseph. God, you could not have done this to me. And they said, Dad, I know it's hard to believe, but we brought proof. Here, remember that coat that you gave him? The coat that you made? Here it is. And it's covered in blood. And when Jacob grabbed this coat, he said, this must be Joseph. Surely he's dead, the Bible says. And Jacob went into a deep depression. So deep that I want you to read verse 27. And the Bible says it was so deep that 22 years later, when Jacob would find out that his son Joseph was alive, the Bible says when they repeated to Jacob everything that Joseph had told them, and when they saw the wagon that Joseph had set up to carry him, their father's spirit, what? Revived. Which means that for 22 years, Jacob's spirit was dead. What does it mean when the Bible says his, that Jacob's spirit was revived? It implies in the context that for 22 years, Jacob's spirit, because of what happened to Joseph, that moment, his spirit died. Now, if you're confused, let me explain what this means. But the Bible is clear that we're made up of three. We are body, we are soul, and we are what? Spirit. Your body is your physical self. 
Your soul is your mind and your emotions. Your soul is what causes you to feel. The anger you have right now is your soul. The sadness you carry is your soul. The joy, the happiness you have is your soul. Your soul is your thoughts and your feelings. But see, your spirit, however, is what connects us to God. Your spirit is what God uses to speak to you. Your spirit is what causes you to feel the presence of God. So when Joseph got the news that he was dead, that Jacob got the news that Joseph was dead, the Bible didn't say that his soul died. The Bible implies that his spirit died. In other words, that part of Jacob that would dream dreams, that part of Jacob that prayed to God, that part of Jacob that worshipped God in the middle of the night, that part of Jacob that worshipped when he saw the, the night sky, that part of Jacob that connected with God, that part of Jacob that got him to feel the presence of God, that part of Jacob was gone. This is why for 22 years, the Bible does not record Jacob praying to God again. The Bible doesn't record Jacob having dreams again. The Bible doesn't record Jacob giving sacrifices to the Lord again because when Joseph died, a part of his spiritual life died with him. In other words, he didn't want to pray anymore. He didn't want to seek God anymore. He didn't want to worship anymore. And when your spirit dies because of an outward circumstance, it only leaves room for your emotions to lead, not your spirit. And God tells us to be led by the Spirit. But see, when you're not led by your Spirit, you are giving access to your emotions to lead you. And because Jacob was now emotional-led, look at Genesis 37, 35. Look at what it says. His family tried to what? Comfort him. But he refused to be comforted. And he said, I will go to the grave mourning for my son. I will go to the grave mourning for my son. And notice this, he would say and then he would weep. You see, when Jacob's spirit died, where he lost that connection with God because of the death of his son Joseph, Jacob in his emotions would rule. And his emotions led him to depression. His emotions led him to be angry. His emotions led him to live in sadness. His emotions led him to lose peace because of what had happened. In other words, his soul took over. And the Spirit of God no longer led him. And see, God understands Emotions. All of us carry emotions right now. In fact, when something bad happens, God would say in the Bible, take one month to mourn. Because God understands sadness. God understands hurt. God understands anger. God understands jealousy. God understands emotions because those emotions were put there by God. 
So God said that law, he said, if anyone would die and you needed to mourn, mourn for one month. And after the season of mourning is over, get up and keep moving. Get up and keep moving forward. Get up and keep living. Because God says, I understand emotions. So I'll let you have a season where you're sad. I'll give you a season where you're angry. I'll give you a season where you have lost your joy. I'll give you a season to cry and to weep. And when that season is over, I expect you to get up and move forward, to get up and live your life. But see, what happens to us is that we turn a season of our emotions into a lifestyle. See, when Jacob said, I will mourn, the Hebrew word he used for mourn wasn't actually to mourn, but to become a mourner. In other words, he said, I'm not just going to be sad. I'm going to become sad. I'm not just going to get angry. I'm going to become angry. I'm not just going to be hurt. I'm going to live hurt. And that is the picture of so many people in our lives. We have allowed what should have been an emotional season to turn to a lifestyle. And some of you, instead of just being angry for a season, you become an angry person. Have you ever met an angry person? Not a person that is angry. Not a person that got angry. A person that is angry. This is that person in a birthday party that's sitting by himself in the corner with an angry resting face. This is that person that doesn't even know that they're shouting. Hi, honey, how are you? What do you want? And then you say, what's wrong with you? What, What do you mean? I didn't yell. You don't even notice it anymore. This is the person that just treats everyone with disrespect. This is the person that everyone has to be careful around because you don't want to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, or else they're going to get angry. It's not that they're going to get angry. They are angry. And some of these people, you're like, why are you angry? They will tell you, I don't know why. I'm just angry. Some people have allowed a season of sadness to get them to become a sad person. You can't enjoy anything in life anymore. And everything you do reminds you of what you've gone through. The hurt. The pain. So Jacob declared, I'm going to become, I'm going to become a mourner. I'm going to become my emotions. I'm going to let my soul take over and I'm no longer letting the Spirit lead me. And this is why his own children tried to comfort him. Church, can you imagine? They went up to their dad and they said, hey, dad, dad, why don't we go fishing today? Let's get up and let's go to the sea and and let's go fishing, dad. He said, no, I don't want to go fishing. It's not going to work. It's not going to help. Okay, dad, why don't we just go to the park, dad? Hey, dad, let's just go to the park and go for a walk. No, no, I don't want to walk. It doesn't help. Dad, eat something. 
Dad, just eat something. Dad, drink something. Dad, do something. Dad, let's just get you out of the tent. Let's just get you out of the house. Let's just try to comfort him. Hey, God. Hey, hey, Dad, please, can you do this? Can we? Or what if we do this? What if we do that? Maybe it'll make him happy. And the Bible said he refused to be comforted. And that word refuse literally means it didn't work. Why? Because Jacob did not have a problem with his soul. He had a problem with his spirit. And when you try to heal your spiritual problem by emotional means, you stay broken. And the problem in our lives, 99% of the time, are spiritual. But we try to go about them by emotional means. That's why you have a world of broken people living with depression, living with sadness, living with thoughts of suicide, living with anger, living with jealousy, consumed by their soul, consumed by their emotions, and they go and drink, and they go and smoke, and they go and sleep around, and they go and shop, and overshop, and overspend, and go on vacations, and go here, and go there, and buy this, and wear that, and live here. Why? Because they're trying to fix a spiritual condition with an emotional means. And Jacob's problem was not his emotions. His problem was his spirit that died when he thought Joseph died. And I wonder as I read that, how many spiritually dead people I have here at Forward. You've lost your joy. You've lost your peace. You might be here on Sunday and you're worshiping with God in the church, but truth be told, you're dead inside. You live with sadness. Oh, you smile, but inside you're sad. You live with anger. Worst of all, in those 22 years of Joseph's dead spirit, he stopped dreaming. The Bible records often Jacob dreaming. He dreamt one night and saw a ladder from heaven to earth as God ascended the angels. He dreamt and heard the voice of God say, I'm going to bless you. He dreamt and heard that God said, don't be afraid of Esau. I'm going to protect you. He would always dream with God. But for 22 years, the Bible stopped recording any dream that Joseph had because I believe that when your spirit dies because something in your life happens, the worst thing for any believer is you stop dreaming. You stop dreaming of greater days. You stop dreaming of that loved one getting saved. You, you stop dreaming of your children coming to church. 
You stop dreaming of your marriage being restored. You stop dreaming of healing. You stop dreaming of that business God put in your heart. You stop dreaming. See, I wonder sometimes, like Joseph, things in our lives get so bad, they appear to be dead, and therefore your spirit dies with your dreams and you no longer believe for greater. And we waddle into church and we raise our hands and we pray and we sing, we listen to sermons and, and all of that. But deep down inside, you have no longer a dreamer. You kind of just settle for a life of emotions, just getting by, going through the routine. But do you think that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you can live your life dead and not even dream for greater and for more? But see, oftentimes, like Jacob, we allow the circumstances of our lives to kill the dreams that are inside us. When I first started this ministry, I dreamed of a large church with so many people getting saved. And then I met you people, and guess what you did? You guys are dream killers. Can I be honest this morning? You're like the brothers. Let's get together and kill Pastor David's dreams. And how many of you have stopped dreaming? Come on, be honest. God bless you. One person. Two. The rest of you are liars or pretending to be spiritual. But Jacob stopped dreaming. When your spirit dies, your emotions will Take over. Because you are body, soul, and spirit. And if you put aside the spirit, your emotions step in and says, I'll take it from here. But God says your heart, your, your soul, is deceitful above all things. And I wonder, like Jacob, how many of us have just lost that spirit of God. What was your Joseph moment? The loss of a loved one? Was your Joseph moment a divorce? Was your Joseph moment a failed mistake or choice or sin? Was your Joseph moment betrayal? Someone you trusted and loved lied to you and used you, abused you. All of us carry a Joseph moment that can kill our spirit. I believe that if you're not careful, the spirit of a marriage could die. You still live together. You're still under the same roof. You still talk, but it's mainly business. But there's no more love. There's no more intimacy. There's no more communication. There's no more kindness. Because the spirit of a marriage can be lost. The spirit of a church can die. You go through so many problems of the church. I believe churches, the spirit of the church can die because church is filled with people who have spirits that are dead. 
And we can meet here every Sunday. I can preach to you for another year. I can, I can lead you in the Word of God. Frankie can sing another song. And, and this church, the Spirit could die. Because you come here with no love, no enthusiasm. Because it's not an emotional problem we have, it's a spiritual problem. Proverbs 18.14 says this. This is a vital warning. The human spirit can endure a sick body. See, this is what God says. Your spirit can endure a lot of problems. But who can bear a crushed spirit? There comes a vital moment that something can happen in your life that can crush your spirit. So sometimes when the spirit of a church dies, it's because something crushed it. Or when a spirit of a marriage dies, it's because usually one of the spouses did something to crush the other. Or when the spirit of a person is dead, something happened in your life that crushed you. That word crushed in the Hebrew literally means to strike and inflict pain and wounds. It means that something hit you so hard that it wounded you. And when your spirit is crushed, God is so honest. He says, you cannot handle it. You can't say to yourself, my spirit is crushed, I'm just going to go to church more. My spirit is crushed, I'm just going to read the Bible more. My spirit is crushed, I'm just going to keep busy, I'm going to keep working, I'm going to keep doing things. No, God says, your spirit is crushed, you cannot carry it, you cannot handle it, you cannot endure it. Proverbs 18.14 is honest, you cannot bear it. Let's read Proverbs 17.22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a what? A crushed spirit dries up the bones. God not only says a crushed spirit is unbearable, but how do you know your spirit is crushed? God makes it so easy for us to identify a crushed spirit. God uses it this way. A cheerful heart is like good medicine. The first thing you notice about a crushed spirit is you no longer have cheer. When was the last time you really laughed? When was the last time you were really happy? When was the last time you really smiled? When was the last time you were cheerful? If you have to think about it, your spirit is crushed. If you can't remember the last time I really was happy, the last time I really laughed, and it seems like everything I do now is just stress and stress and stress, your spirit is crushed. And the Bible says in Proverbs 17, 22, if you put it up there again, it says, not only do you lose your cheer, but it dries up your bones. You become a dried person. 
And when I meet someone that's really dry, that is someone I know that has been crushed somehow. When I meet a spouse that is dry, I know she has been crushed by her husband or that husband has been crushed by her. When I walk into a dry church, I know it's filled with crushed people. God is clear. A crushed spirit you cannot handle. And a crushed spirit will dry you up. This is why Jacob refused to be comforted. Because no one can handle a crushed spirit. But here's the promise we have in the Lord in Psalm 34, 18. The promise that God gives us is that God says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Because some of you here this morning, you have had your hearts broken. Broken by God, broken by life, broken by a relationship, broken by a parent, broken by a child, broken by a pastor, broken by a church. But everyone can relate to a broken heart. But the promise the Lord gives us is that He is close to a broken heart and He rescues. He rescues those whose spirits have been crushed. He rescues. So you know what God is honest about? Number one, when your spirit is crushed because of your Joseph, you can't handle it. So stop pretending you're strong because you're not. Stop pretending you're okay because you're not. Stop pretending you're fine. Stop pretending you're happy because God will call you out because God says when your spirit is crushed, no one can handle it. So stop the feminism. I got this. I don't need no man. I can do it on my own. Stop the macho dad and say, oh, I'm good. I got this, bro. I'm, I'm, I don't need her. Stop it. God said, yo, you can't handle it. He doesn't say yo. He says you. You can't handle it. Can you imagine a person that's drowning in the ocean because the current is coming up against them and the land, the shore is right there, but the more they try, the more they drift and drift and drift and they keep trying, but they're getting tired. They're about to die. They're about to drown. But all of a sudden, a rescue boat comes and the lifeguard is on the boat with a captain and says, here, take this. I can rescue you. Can you imagine how dumb it would be for that person to say, don't worry about me. I'm going to make it just fine. I got this. I'm just going to swim. You would think that person is crazy. Well, guess what? That person is you. You're drowning. You're emotional. You're tired. And God says, I can rescue you. But in your pride, you say, no, God, I got this. I can save my own marriage. I can save my own children. I can save my finances. I can save my home. And God says, no, you can't. You're cross. You can't bear it. 
but I can rescue you. So many people want to swim against a crushed current and think, well, maybe if I have more pleasure in my life, I'll be happy. But see, you're going by your soul. That's why you might go to the bars, have yourself a drink for a moment, you're all happy, but guess what happens the next day? You're worse off, and you realize the bill. You know, well, I'll just have more pleasure, I'll have more relationships. I'll just be busier, I'll distract myself. But see, a lot of us, like Jacob, it's not going to work because you're dealing with a crushed spirit, but you're going by emotional means to heal it. The problem with you is not that you're sad. It's not that you're stressed. It's not that you're depressed. It's not that you're fearful. It's not that you're worried. Those are symptoms of what the real root problem is. The problem is that we all share in common in Jesus' name. Your spirit is crushed. Punto. Yeah. It's crushed. It's crushed. Can you take a deep breath and say, yes, I'm crushed. Come on, say it right now. I'm not preaching another word to you say. Okay, now one more time, but to your neighbor, oh yeah, I'm crushed. That's it, I'm crushed. And, it, and if it's your spouse, be honest, look at them and say, you crushed me. If it's your friend, you call them up and text them. I'll let you text today. You guys do it anyway. So anyway, text them and say, hey, you crushed me. What do you mean? I'll, I'll send you the message. Or come to church, even. But see, when our spirits get crushed, God says you can't bear it. And verse 26, it gets crazy. Verse 26. You've got to read this verse the right way. They come up to... Can you imagine this conversation? All 11 boys. You know when boys go up to their parents and say, hey, can we talk? You know what's going to happen, right? One of them's going to confess to something stupid. Something dumb. And these, these 11 grown men go to their father's tent and say, oh, Dad, can we talk? And there he is, all crushed and sad. Yeah, what is it? Hey, Dad, um, what, you remember like, uh, what happened with... Um, no, no, you tell him, you tell him. Okay, okay, Dad, no, um, Dad I, I can't tell him. You tell him, tell him, someone tell him. Okay, Judah, you, you, you're, the, you're the nice one. Judah, step up. Okay, Dad, listen, don't get mad, Dad. Uh, remember 22 years ago? How can I forget? It's the day I was crushed. It's the day my world ended. How dare you speak of that day to me? Well, Dad, the, the reason we, we bring it up is because, um, read it, he's still alive. Dad, he's, he's still alive. Are you telling me Joseph is alive? It can't be. He goes outside and he sees Joseph sent 
caravans to pick them all up. That said property of Egypt. Property of Governor Joseph. That's what he was. He's alive. He's the governor of all of Egypt. Jacob was stunned. That word stunned in the Hebrew is the word nahat, which literally means to become numb. So Jacob heard that news and he became numb. He said, what? Couldn't believe it. You know why Jacob became numb? Because Joseph was alive. But let's read it the right way. When he found out Joseph was alive, he was numb because he realized I wasted 22 years of my life angry with God, miserable, sad, depressed, discouraged, disappointed. I wasted 22 years of my life. 22 years of my life was robbed of my peace. My joy was robbed. My laughter was robbed. My cheerfulness was robbed. My dreams were robbed for 22 years. And you mean to tell me it was all a lie? But that's what Satan does to us. Jesus said in John 10, he says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There is a demonic devil that wants to steal the joy from your life and kill the dreams that God has given you. And he's looking for it. And he lies to you. And some of you right now, you're believing a lie that your life is over. You're believing a lie that God has forgotten you. You're believing a lie that God is just mad at you. You believe a lie that you're never going to make it. You're never going to survive. It's never going to happen. And Jacob was convinced of a lie for 22 years and it robbed him and it crushed his spirit when it didn't have to. That's why he was shocked. Because you, like Jacob, you are wasting every day God has given you. You are wasting every breath He's allowed in your lungs. You are wasting it on a crushed spirit. Robbing you of joy. Convinced of a lie. Let me close with this. Jacob was not only shocked, 
because he believed the lie. And it robbed him of 22 years of joy. But Jacob wasted 22 years of his life on a crushed spirit. But I believe also that Jacob was crushed because when he knew that Joseph was alive, he knew that God never abandoned him. He knew that God was always working. He realized these 22 years I wasted in depression and sadness and anger and letting my spirit get crushed. All of those 22 years, God was already with Joseph in Egypt working out a plan. What if right now, church, you are wasting your life on a crushed spirit when God's saying behind the scenes, if you only knew what I was up to. If you only knew, Jacob, that I did this because I was saving your life from hunger. And Jacob realized that for 22 years his spirit was crushed, that robbed him of joy, that killed his dreams. But all this time God was working in his life. And I know for all of you here today that have a crushed spirit, don't believe the lie of the enemy, but believe that behind the scenes God has not forgotten you're going to see your enemies prosper. You're going to see plans not work out. You're going to get hurt, lied about, betrayed. But you need to believe that in that season when your spirit is crushed and your emotions are leading, that God is behind the scenes because He has not forgotten you. And He is still working in your life. But see, Jacob was shocked not only because Joseph was alive and he wasted 22 years of his life, on a crushed spirit. But he realized for 22 years, that God that was working for me, that God that had my back, that God that was blessing me, that God that was with me, that's the God that I turned my back on. That's the God that I stopped praying to. That's the God that I stopped worshiping. Because I let my crushed spirit get the best of me and my emotions to drive me and it drove me away from God. And see, some of you right now, you have run away from God far enough. And it's time for you to deal with your crushed spirit. It's time for you to dream again. Amen? It's time for you to believe in greater. It's time for you to know that God is still working. So it gets even more amazing. In Genesis 46, 1 through 4, they get their bags packed. They get everything. They're putting everything in the governor's chariots. And they say, let's go. We're going to go see Joseph. We're going to go to Egypt. And Jacob, he must have felt so overwhelmed that his relationship with Joseph was about to be restored. He could have been overwhelmed that his joy was about to be right in front of him. And as they went down to Egypt, this is what the Bible says. So Jacob set out for Egypt with his family, with all their possessions. And when he came to Beersheba, now wait a minute, Jacob, you are on your way to Egypt, but on the way there, Jacob said, wait, family, everyone, wait. We're going to Beersheba first. 
They're like, Dad, why? There's nothing over there. Why are we going there? This is beautiful, church. Jacob went to Beersheba. He said, Joseph can wait. I waited 22 years. He can wait one more day. We're going to Beersheba. He offered sacrifices to God of his father Isaac. Now let's hold that verse. Because Jacob said, before I even go to Egypt to restore my relationship with my son, I first need to restore my relationship with God. Because that God I've abandoned, that's the God I stopped serving 22 years ago. That is the God that the reason I stopped dreaming and believing and worshiping is because that's the God I thought took Joseph from me. But that God was always with me. That God was always faithful. That God was always blessing me. That God never left me nor forsake me. That's the God that I abandoned. That's the God I turned my back on. It's easy for us to say, why did God forget us? No, you forgot God. And before I even go to Egypt and restore my relationship with Joseph, I need to get on my knees and restore my relationship with God who got me this far. Because some of us are that crazy. You want God to restore your marriage. Restore the most important relationship first. You and God. You want God to restore your children. Restore your relationship with God first. You want God to restore your finances. You better get on your knees and restore your relationship with God first. Because that God that you abandoned is a God that never abandoned you. And no one could understand it. Why? Why is that going to Beersheba? Because Beersheba is where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and even Rahab, not Rahab, or Rahab did later on. But see, Beersheba is where Abraham first encountered God, is where Jacob first encountered God, is where Isaac first encountered God, is where Jacob got the dreams, is where Jacob felt God's presence, is where Jacob heard the voice of God, and Jacob said, I gotta go back there. I gotta go back to that place where I heard God speak. I gotta go back to my life. I gotta go back to that place where I prayed and worshiped and felt the presence of God before I restore anything in my life. God, let's restore this relationship that I let go of 22 years ago. And Jacob got the sacrifices. He sacrificed to the Lord. He worshiped for the first time in 22 years. He spoke to God for the first time in 22 years. And he said to God, God, it's been a while. And Lord, my life's a mess. And that devil robbed me for 22 years. God, I'm here again. Jacob set out to Egypt, but with all his possessions, he went to Beersheba. He offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And look at the next verse. During the night, God spoke. 
the silence was broken. 22 years of silence and God spoke. How many of you need God to speak into your life again? God spoke to him in a vision, in a dream. Not only did God speak again, Jacob started dreaming again. And I just feel in my spirit as a church, we've lost our dreams. You guys are dream killers to me. Maybe I'm not for you, but listen. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but you've lost your dreams. Because you've turned your back on God. And during the night, God spoke again. Jacob. Jacob. He replied, here I am. The three words that will save your life. Here I am. I'm a mess, but here I am. I'm a drunk, but here I am. I'm a fornicator, but here I am. I'm a liar, but here I am. I'm a hypocrite, but here I am. Here I am. Look at the next verse. God didn't say, why'd you do it? Why'd you leave me 22 years ago? Jacob, I thought you were a better Christian than that. Why'd you let the devil lie to you? Why'd you stop praying? Why'd you stop worshiping? Why'd you stop going to church on Wednesday nights? Why'd you stop going to church on Sunday? Why'd you stop serving in ministry? Why'd you stop? The God did none of that. God just said three other words. I am God. And by that phrase, God was saying, Jacob, when you were lied to and betrayed, and when those boys of yours hurt you that way, I was God then and I am God now. And when you thought Joseph was dead and you stopped dreaming and you gave up on the dreams I gave you and you let life and your emotions lead you, I was God then and I'm God now. Oh, and Jacob, that moment that you had that pity party. Remember the pity party? Jacob, remember when you stayed in your tent for months and you were crying and sad and didn't want to eat and you made everyone miserable with your attitude? I was God then and I'm God now. I'm God, the God of your fathers. And he said, do not be afraid. And in that moment, Jacob's relationship with God was restored first. And then his relationship with Joseph was restored second. If you believe in a God of restoration, you better believe that God cannot restore 
what you need to be restored until you restore what's most important, your relationship with God. And some of you here, Jacob, you say, I stopped praying. I stopped spending time in the word. My spirit is crushed. I've gone through so much. I, I barely come to church. I barely pray. I barely worship. I don't feel the joy like I used to. It's time for you to come to Beersheba. It's time for you to say, let me take a detour and go back to the Lord and just say, God, here I am. God's not going to push you away. He's not going to condemn you. He's not going to reject you. God's just going to say, I know, I see you. Come on, let's all stand today. If you're here this morning, Jacob built an altar and sacrificed to God. If you're here today, I want my brave people I want the people with courage today that can confess to the Lord. My spirit is crushed. My dreams have stopped. I have pulled away from the Lord. But today, I want to dream again. I want to believe again. I want to restore my life by first restoring my relationship with you again, God. Because the devil has robbed me too much. He has robbed me of my joy. He has robbed me of my peace. My emotions are getting the best of me. I'm tired. I'm depressed. I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm discouraged all the time. I am defeated. But God has not forgotten you. God has not abandoned you. God has not turned away from you. God was always God then. He is God now. He will be God forever and then some. He is your God right now. Whatever you're going through, He's God. Whatever has hurt you, He's God. Whoever has hurt you, He's God. No matter what hasn't worked out, He's God. Whatever failed you, He's God. The failures you made, He's God. He's God. He's God. He's God. He's God. He is the God of your children. He is the God of your marriage. He is the God of your health. He is the God of your finances. He is the God of your present. He is the God of your past. He is the God of the future. But He is the God that you turned your back on. So it's time to say, here I am. If that's you today, I'm going to shut my mouth as I watch you come to this altar. Come on, church. Come on, church. For those with a crushed spirit, for those that are saying, God, I'm tired. I'm coming back to you, though. For all of you who say, Lord, the spirit in my life feels gone. God says you can't bear it, but I can. And it's time for you to start dreaming again. It's time for you to start believing again. And it's time for you to tell that devil, you have lied to me and robbed me far enough. And in Jesus' name, I'm coming back to the Lord. So with your heart, just say this. Here I am. Come on, just say it. Here I am. And tell the Lord where you're at. I'm hurt. I'm broken. I'm scared. I'm angry. stop dreaming. I stop praying. My spirit is crushed. But if you would just say, here I am, 
you will know that God's never left you. God's never abandoned you. So let me pray for you. I want to do two prayers today. The first one is a prayer of salvation. Your spirit might be crushed today because you've gone out to the world living a life of sin and it's gone in nowhere. But today, the Jesus Christ looks at you and says, I love you. I have a plan for you. And the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And if he knocks at your door, do not harden your hearts and turn. But Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. So like Jacob, you would have a God to call on. A God to walk on. And the Bible says when you repent of your sins and turn to Jesus, he will give you his spirit. And save you of your sins. If that's you today, would you put your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. God bless you. God bless you. The second prayer I want to lead you is for those here today that say, Pastor, my spirit is crushed, but I need to dream again. It's time for you to restore your relationship with God. If that's you, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, would you put a hand to all the people that are crushed? If you're crushed, just put your hand. It's okay. We're all crushed at one time in our lives. Just pray this with me with every head bow, every eye closed. Just say, Lord Jesus, and fill in the blank. When this happened, I was crushed. Come on, tell God what crushed you. But Lord, today, I am here. I have turned my back on you, I have stopped dreaming and believing. I have been robbed of my joy. But first and foremost, I want to come to you again. Forgive me. Restore me. And bless me. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for all the crushed spirits here. Restore them. Restore the joy of their salvation. Restore the dreams you've given them. And in Jesus' name, I bind any lie the enemy has given you that has robbed you of God's best for your life. And in Jesus' name, dream again, because God is not done. Amen. And amen. And Heavenly Father, one more prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray for Pete right now. Y'all put a, he's up here right now. Would y'all put a hand on Pete right now? Put a hand on Pete. Father, we pray for Pete right now. We pray for his health. We pray for his physical health. We pray for his mental health. We pray for his spiritual health. And in Jesus' name, you are healed. 
Father, use him for your glory. Restore his strength. And bless him and Paulette for their faithfulness and being there when your spirit is being crushed daily. Give them strength in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Come on, give God some praise today. Come on. Amen. Amen. I pray you guys were blessed today. Come on, give God some real praise today. Come on. <laughs> you guys go to a great church. This is a church that preaches the word of God. And it's sad because people are afraid to preach the word of God, but it's not easy to tell you guys that your spirits are crushed. I just thank God for this word today.